This is Heather Meckes, Director of Discipleship at CRC, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you, encourages you, and allows you to see how God is moving in and around you. If you would like to check out more resources, go to coopersvillereform.com. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Uh, this is Norma Bushen. My name is Greg Johnson, and we're going to be reciting uh, Matthew 7, uh, verses 22 and 23, if you'd like to stand and join us with those. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Psalm 91, 2 through 4. John 3, 17. Luke 10, 18 through 20. Exodus 14, 13a. Hebrews 4, 12 says the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It cuts even to divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. My whole life changed. And my whole life changed. My whole life changed. My whole life changed. My whole life changed. Good morning. Oh, every time I see that opening video, it gets me fired up. Um, and so when Pastor John asked me a couple weeks ago to, to close out the sermon series about when my whole life changed, It's like dangling a carrot in front of my face. Yes, my whole life has changed, and I am excited this morning to to show you how God's Word can change our lives, just as it has done for me. Um, Most of you know who I am. I've been coming here for a long time. You've been coming here for a long time. But if you're brand new, my name is Stephen, and I'm sure that, that most of you know that probably over the past five years, you've seen my life has changed as well. Um, there's a lot, of here, a lot of people here that I've grown up with. Norma has been my Sunday school teacher. I've had babysitters. And um, you can all see how, how um, our lives have changed. But um, this morning, I... Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Matthew 7. I want to thank Norma and Greg for, for um, reading that this morning. And I would say that's probably, that's probably the scariest, scariest um, verse in the Bible. I couldn't imagine being told that and being told that from Jesus. And I couldn't imagine somebody like Norma being told that. But then let alone, if we think about that being ourselves, um, that's even scarier yet. Well, this morning, I'm not a a pastor. I don't have a title in front of my name. In fact, um, I've only done a handful of sermons. But uh, I wanted to come to you this morning and talk 
with you rather than at you. I'd say, since the Lord has changed my life, um, he's, I can't stop talking about them, and the people that get the brunt of those conversations end up being my customers. And so if there's a, a pulpit that I have, it's usually not up here, but it's usually at a kitchen table with a cup of coffee or underneath the sink or in a basement around a water softener. I do water for a living. And, and if there's a congregation I'm used to speaking to, it's usually not in this context. It's usually, um, usually my customers. So that's why I wore my work clothes today. I'd love to, love to put on a suit this morning and talk with you, but this morning I just want to be your peer and instead of talking at you, to talk with you. And so, um, so this morning, we're going to look a little bit at that, at that passage, from, that scary passage from Matthew 7, because that's one that the Lord used to change me. I'm going to read that for you, the whole passage. This is starting in uh, Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23. And it's about a quarter of the way through Matthew, which is the first book of the Bible. And it's, he's kind of finishing out the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name. And then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. You know, there's another, another scripture in the Bible that's very similar to this in Luke. Kind of gives another account of that. Uh, Jesus is talking about the, the narrow way, and there are people that are asking him, Lord, someone asked him, are there few being saved? You don't have to turn here. You just stick around in, in uh, Matthew 7. But he says to those people, he says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because I tell you, many will try to enter and won't be able to once the homeowner gets up and shuts the door. Then you'll stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open up for us. And he's going to answer you, I don't know you or where you're from. And you're going to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he's, he's going to say, I tell you, I don't know you or where you're from. Get away from me, you workers of unrighteousness. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth in that place when you see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but yourselves are thrown out. And if you haven't caught it yet, Jesus... Jesus is sending people away from the kingdom and he's sending them to hell. And so I think this is a pretty serious scripture. And so when I start to pick it apart, if you keep your Bibles open to Matthew 7, one thing that kind of sticks out to me is that whole part where it says, didn't we? I say, Lord, Lord, didn't we... Didn't we prophesy? Didn't we drive out demons? Didn't we do any miracles? You can almost underline, didn't we do? 
I've had the lot of, uh, privilege of talking with a lot of people through my job and asking them about their faith. And, um, you know, everyone believes that they're going to go to heaven. Unless you don't believe that there is a heaven. But I've never met anybody who believes that there is a heaven that thinks that they're going to go to hell. I'm sure that all of you would agree that if you've asked people, they all believe that they're going to go to heaven. And what's surprising is, I guess it's not surprising, most people believe that they're going to go to heaven because they're a good person. You know, growing up in West Michigan, I thought everybody at least had the right answers to that question, why are you going to go to heaven? But I hear more and more that people believe that they are a good person. And I think Jesus would agree with this statement that many people think that they're going to go to heaven because they're a good person. Because these people that he's talking about when he says, didn't we, he says that there are, are many of them. And that, that part kind of hit me. And, you know, he talks about the wide gate and the narrow gate. And the wide gate is the ones that we're talking about right here. You know, people think that they're a good person usually because they're comparing themselves to other people, right? And, and that really, that's not what, what the Bible says. The Bible says in Romans that we've, we've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God, right? The glory of God, that's the standard that we have to hold ourselves to. We often use the Ten Commandments as the standard if we've sinned or not, right? And um, in this passage, where Jesus is talking about um, those at the end of time will come to him, it's, it's at the end of, of the, um, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus starts out the Sermon on the Mount by saying, if you don't follow the letter of the law, if you don't follow the least of these laws, you won't be welcome into the kingdom of heaven. He says, he says in, in Matthew 5, he says, if your righteousness doesn't surpass that of the Pharisees and scribes, you won't go into the kingdom of heaven. Now, I grew up, I grew up in this church, and, and you know, you're around the Bible, and you think of the Pharisees and you think of like these legalistic, like bad guys of the Bible, right? Um, they're the ones that we're supposed to always watch out for. We see them and we know that we're not supposed to be like them, right? But in reality, they were the religious leaders of the time. I guess today I'm kind of like a religious leader, wouldn't you say? And, and they, their whole thing that they did was to try to keep the law down to the letter, right? And they would even make up extra laws so that they didn't break the big laws. And Jesus was saying to them, or saying to the people, if you're not more righteous than these people, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And they followed all those, all those Ten Commandments, right? But then in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus steps things up a little bit because Jesus starts to look at the heart. He goes on from there and he says, hey, you've heard it says in the Ten Commandments, don't murder. 
But if you hate your brother, well, then you committed murder. I've hated my brother before. Right? He talks about adultery. He says, he says, it says in, in the Word, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, if you lust over a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery. It's one of those Ten Commandments, right? I'm not asking you to raise your hand in front of your wife, but I bet there's a lot of guys that would say we've broken some commandments. He starts to look at your heart. Jesus is stepping things up a little bit and says those commandments aren't just for the outside. They are on the heart. And... And when I look at that, I see that, like, Jesus, the fact of the matter is Jesus is going to judge us, and, and I'm guilty. And I think that we can say that about everyone. The Bible says it. It says that we're, we all fall short of the glory of God. I had the privilege a couple weeks ago of speaking with, with a friend. He came up to me, and he had a dream that was bothering him. And uh, he came up, he says, you're religious, can I, can I talk with you? <laughs> I said, yeah, and he talked to me about his dream. It had to do with, uh, with hell a little bit. And uh, I called him up later on in the evening, and I said, you know, why don't you tell me about your faith? Do you think you're going to go to heaven? And he says, he says, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go to heaven, I'm... I'm a good person. I uh, try to read the Bible. I try to, try to pray. I believe in Jesus. You know, I was raised Catholic and, and uh, kind of stopped going to church because I didn't really think that they were doing the right thing in the Catholic church. And Yeah, I'm a good person. And I said, I knew, I knew that you were going to say that. You know, there's so many people that believe that we're going to go to heaven because we're doing the right things. I'll pick up on his story a little bit later. But another thing that I noticed from this scripture is that it says, Lord, Lord, didn't we? And one thing that sticks out to me is that these are people who know who Jesus is. And they're calling him Lord. These aren't the pagans that, that believe in other gods. These are ones calling Christ Lord. And the other scary thing is that Jesus says that there are many who are calling him Lord. You know, these people are doing pretty religious things, I would say. They are prophesying, right? They're casting out demons, and they're doing miracles. That's another thing that I noticed about this scripture. These religious people that are calling Jesus Lord, they're doing some pretty religious things. I couldn't help but think about the disciples right after this, when they were sent out. They were sent to, to preach the kingdom of heaven and to... Uh, drive out demons and heal people. Those are miracles. It's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. 
You know, one of them got sent to hell. That was Judas, right? And what does Jesus and what does Jesus say to these people? He says, "Depart from me." I can't help but think about other religious things that we do that maybe we can replace in that sentence instead of saying, oh, didn't we drive out demons and prophesy? Those are like up here on the religious things, right? And, and to do miracles. Maybe we could replace that in, a, in sentences that we use nowadays. Couldn't we say, Lord, Lord, didn't we, didn't we go to church every Sunday? Didn't we sing in the choir? Lord, Lord, didn't we teach youth group? Weren't we a deacon? I think that we can think of all sorts of things that we could add to that list, right? Well, you know, that was kind of the case for me. Uh, my story kind of changed. This whole series is my whole life changed. And that happened about five years ago. See, my dad, you've, you've probably heard this story, but you get to hear it again. My dad, my dad was my best friend growing up. And about five years ago in the fall, he, uh, he got cancer, and he took a downhill really quickly, right? And in March of 2017, I was there when when he was dying and when he died. And uh, thank the Lord. Um, the Lord graced me with knowledge of knowing where he was. And it wasn't a where, it was a who. It was that Jesus, uh, he was in Jesus' presence. And I went home filled with more joy than grief. And I know that that was a gift from the Lord. And my belief changed from, from knowing that Jesus saved to knowing that Jesus saved, right? But the next day, I was in his workshop where we spent a lot of time together, and I was with my brother-in-law, Garrett, and I remembered thinking, you know, if Papa was here right now, and I couldn't see him or hear him, would I know that he's right there? Yeah. You know, I could. I would know that he's right there. You spend enough time with somebody and you know, you know their moves. A lot of you have been married to your spouse, some of you longer than I've been alive, right? You know what your wife does, right? You know what your husband does. Dan, how long have you been married to Joanne? 66 years. I'll bet you know a little bit about your wife, right? Well, the next question that came to my mind, I know was from the Holy Spirit. It was, you know, we're allowed to call God our Father, right? And if I couldn't see him, and if I couldn't hear him, would I still know that he's right there? And the answer to that was no. You see, I grew up in this church and I knew all the right answers. I knew, I knew that 
by Jesus' blood that we're saved. I knew it. I knew uh, all the right doctrines. I was baptized. I made my profession of faith in high school. I served as a deacon. I baptized my kids. I did all the right things, right? But I didn't know him. I didn't know who my father was. I didn't know who the son was. And he put a drive in my heart to want to know him. And he, he, he showed me that I can know him through his word. And everything changed, literally. Since then, I can't, I can't drive anywhere without my Bible being right near me because if I get five minutes to stop, I want to dig into his word. Since then, I'm praying all the time because all I want to do is hear from him. You know, I used to think that words like having a relationship with Christ and being born again and, and things like that, and being filled with the Spirit, I thought that those were just churchy words for people that believed a little extra. I never knew that it was real. That you really can have a relationship with Christ. That you can talk to him and he can talk back to you. That you can love him as much as you loved your wife for 60 some years. I thought, I thought that that was just churchy language. But it's not. There are some churchy words that mean other things, right? I wasn't actually grafted into a vine. I'm not a real sheep. But I am born again. I am a new creation. And I do love Christ Jesus. You see... Jesus is rejecting the people and sending them to hell in this passage, this scary passage, because he doesn't know them. The Sermon on the Mount that this passage is at the end of, which, which I lost my spot in, but it's all about looking at the heart. When Jesus is looking at sins, it's not what you're doing on the outside. He's looking farther at your heart. When he's looking at tithing, he says, don't worry about what you're doing on the outside. I'm looking at your inside. Don't tell anyone what you're doing. When you pray, don't do it in front of everybody. I'm looking at your heart. Jesus wants your heart. All that stuff of the old covenant, those works of the law, those things that we try to do, those do's, right, to be a good person, Jesus took care of that. He came to fulfill the law. He came, he came to meet those terms of the first covenant. And if we, if we put our faith in him, and then we're part of this new covenant. We don't have to worry about the old covenant. You know, the new covenant is about relationship too. God talks about what this new covenant will be in Jeremiah 31. He says, I'll place my law within them and write it on their hearts. See, he's talking about their hearts. 
He says, I'll be their God and they'll be my people. And no longer will one teach his neighbor or brother saying, know the Lord. For they're all going to know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wrongdoing and never remember their sin. He's talking about knowing you. He says he wants to be your God. He says he wants, he wants you to be his people. That's a relationship. And if you trust Christ as your Savior, you can have that real relationship. And all those things that we can't do, he forgives. That covenant was made to Israel, but in Galatians, it says that if we are in Christ, then we are part of that covenant, right? I was just wondering, what does that mean to be in Christ? Is that one of those churchy words, right? (laughs) You know, in John... It talks about that a little bit. And one thing struck me. Just as Jesus is in the Father, I can imagine what that's like, how like they're one. So it is with us that we are in him. That close, close relationship, right? Well, so my life did change in... uh, and I, and I love my Lord, right? But then I look at, at this verse one more time, and it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. And I look at that, and I think, what's going on? I thought we didn't have to do works, Right? I thought, I thought that Jesus took care of that and all of those things of the law, I don't have to worry about anymore because I can't keep them. I don't know if you guys feel that when you see those keep my commands, but I get a little bit stressed out. I know that I can break them and I know that I keep breaking them. But I thought I'd take a look a little bit farther at that with you guys See, the Apostle John, he, he was known as the one that Jesus loves. He, so he's got a thing or two to say about relationship with Christ. And in two chapters, within two chapters, he quotes Jesus five times saying that if we love him, we will keep his commands. So it's obviously true, but I, what, how do you reconcile that, Right? Well, in Matthew 22, Jesus basically boils down the Ten Commandments to two things. Love God and love others. Right? In John 13, Jesus gives us this new commandment. He says, as as I've loved you, love one another. Here's the new commandment. Love one another. That's how that you'll know that you're his disciples, by how we love one another. Just like from this passage from Matthew 7, it talks about a tree and its fruit. Right? You can tell a tree by what its fruit is. You know it's an apple tree because it has apples. You can tell that it's a Christian by how we love each other. Right? 
Well, when I think about doing works and commands, think of it like this. My son, he likes to come into the workshop every now and then, right? And he says, Papa, what you doing? Can I help? Right? And he comes in there, and I could probably do the job faster than he can, right? But it's that time, spending time together, and he's doing the things that I like to do. Now imagine going into God's workshop and saying, what you doing? Can I help? I just want to spend time with you. And he says, I'm busy loving on the world. How about we do this together? And when you trust with him, he gives you his Holy Spirit and you have the ability to do that. And you look in the rearview mirror and you say, well, those commandments weren't so hard to do after all now that I'm focusing on you. Here's another way to look at it. There's a there's a verse from Psalm 37, 37.4. Most of you know this. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Right? used to just look at that and say, and look at the part where he gives you the desires of your heart. Right? But the more time that you spend in relationship with Jesus, the more you start to want to do the things he wants to do. And you find out that he's changed your desires. He gives you new desires, right? And those, I believe that those things that he gives you, those new changes in heart, like he's going to make those things happen. He's going to give them to you. You know, this says that um, only the one who does the will of, of the Father will go into the kingdom, right? In John 6, it says what the will of the Father is. And that's everyone who sees the Son and believes in him can have eternal life. That's the will of the Father, in that he will raise him up on the last day. He wants you to believe in him with your heart, to know him, right? My son asked me about it a little bit yesterday. He says, what's the difference in believing and believing? You're not making any sense. I said, look, there's a chair over there, and I believe that it can hold my weight. I said, but there's a difference in it if I sit down in that chair and I trust that chair to hold my weight, right? Works for a kid. Look, this morning... I didn't come here to beat you all up and say you're going to go to hell. And I didn't come here to say, look at me, I'm going to heaven. But I'm telling you this. If anything this morning that I'm talking about is sounding like you don't have that, that relationship with Christ where you can talk with him, where his Holy Spirit is guiding you, where you love him like you love your wife. If any of that is sounding like, like that's new, 
like you don't have that. I'm here to tell you this morning that it's real. I'm here to tell you this morning that, that the Lord is pursuing you, that he's probably knocking on the door of your heart. If you look at Matthew 7, right before where we are talking about, there's this thing in there that says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. If the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart right now and you're saying, this thing that Steve's got is different, let me tell you, just ask. Just ask. It's so real. But then there's, there's the others, right? If you haven't, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior and you have that special relationship with Him, like I know a lot of you do, think about how many believe that they're going to go to heaven because they're a good person. That's scary to me. It's scary to have Norma up here and have somebody tell her, get away from me. I think we've all got friends that we can, we can tell that to. I, uh, I started out my story of when I talked with a friend. And I kind of took him down this path that his works are just going to lead him to hell. And I think that that's what the Lord was trying to tell him. And I showed him how, about, how the Bible says that we all fall short of the glory. And I explained to him how Jesus died and took care of all of that. And while I'm talking with him, he says, slow down, I can't, I can't keep up with you. This is so new. I've never heard it said like this before. He says, what do I even do now? I said to him, I was on the phone with him for two hours while my family's trying to sleep. I said, <laughs> I said, you know, if I were in your shoes, first thing I do is I pray. And not a prayer necessarily like, like what you hear. Like God bless so-and-so, be with so-and-so, right? Help me with this. Those are kind of the easy prayers. I said, but there's things that God wants to hear about from inside you. I said, you can lie to me. You can lie to yourself. But there's things that you can say that you can't lie to God about. And he knows them. I said, why don't you just tell him? Why don't you ask him some questions? Tell him you don't understand. Tell him that this, none of this stuff makes any sense. Tell him that when you read your Bible, those words don't make any sense to you. He knows that. And I said, one other thing that I would do is I, was get, I would get in the Word. I said, don't don't start in Leviticus. Don't start in Revelation. Those are hard books to get started in. I said, maybe read through John. And don't read it like you're reading your novel. Maybe just take a little bit at a time. I said, if you're, 
if you're being changed right now, like you can only take a little bit at a time. I said, you know, when I read, sometimes I read only two sentences and that's enough for the day. Other times I might read a chapter. I said, but then ask God some questions because he knows what's on your heart. He's after your heart, right? And we prayed together and the next day I, I received a text from him. And I want to read that for you this morning. It says, I've been casually reading through John since we've talked and it's been extremely eye-opening. Mind you, every sentence is finished with an exclamation point. I've been reading slowly every night, trying not to do too much at once and remember what I'm reading and reflect it about it through the night and while I'm driving the next day. I took your advice and asked God to explain things that I don't understand in Scripture, and it's been extremely helpful. It's kind of odd, actually. Before I would force myself to read, now I have to slow myself down so I don't take too much in at once. On that note, I sincerely want to say thank you. You know, we've got a lot of friends. We've got a lot of loved ones that were just like my friend that called me up. And they think that they're going to go to heaven because they're a good person. I've heard it all day long. I've heard it so many times talking to customers, talking to, talking to friends. Just take the time to tell them your story. Take the time to tell them how God is, is real. He's not someone far off. Take the time to show them how, how Christ has changed your life on the cross. Would you pray with me this morning? God, if there's someone here this morning that has, that has yet to, to be opened up and, and have a real relationship with you, God, I pray that you do a work on them. Lord, I believe, I believe that it's possible. If I can go 35 years of my life without without knowing you like a friend, I believe other people can too. So I pray, Lord, that you would open up somebody this morning. I pray that they'd have a special relationship with you. I pray that they'd come to love you more than anything else in this world. And Lord, I pray that you'd put a conviction on our hearts as well, those that have come to know you, to find other people to help come get to know you more. Lord, I thank you for taking care of everything on the cross. I thank you that all those works things that we try to do to earn our salvation that you took care of. And we don't have to worry about those anymore. And that we can focus on loving you and having a relationship with you. I thank you for sending your son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.